Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to episode 160 of the Trust the Plan podcast. My name is Nick. And I'm Jim. And today is going to be the pilot 2023 personal financial plan. But before we get into that, mm-hmm. um, I want to talk for a second about disability because a friend of mine who's my the same age just had a stroke. Ooh. Yeah. And it, just, it was uh, just over the holidays. And uh, I didn't find out until yesterday, in yeah. fact. But, uh, you know, young family sole breadwinner of the family oh, and you know still recuperating right and it's unsure uncertain how that's going to look mm-hmm. right so it's a very sad situation but there's reason for hope and optimism for a full recovery okay that's good but it's very scary mm-hmm. okay so i just want to you know talk about disability insurance for just a second and emergency funds because if these guys didn't have disability insurance or an emergency fund it would be a real problem okay yeah for sure so I have disability insurance and an emergency fund okay mm-hmm. so I feel I feel it, it just makes you think okay what what if this happens to me mm-hmm. right and so having those things in place makes makes me feel good about if something happened to me mm-hmm. or life insurance right so you know what does it make you think about yeah, I mean, it's it's eye-opening, right? And it's scary and it does, you know, it's so easy to think, well, I'm not going to need it. I'm going to, you know, steal a little bit of that emergency fund to buy that, whatever, right? But um, it is so important. I think it's, it's a must-have. I also have disability insurance. I also have an emergency fund. Um, you know, and it's a little easier to stomach a, an emergency fund right now because short-term you know, rates are actually paying again. But it used to be that people hated, you know, their emergency fund because it was earning nothing and stocks were earning all this money and it earned nothing. But this is a perfect example of why that's important and why you need to have that money safe and accessible if you need it. Exactly. So transitioning into the pilot plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned money markets. Um, How can we get a 4% money market? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Shameless. Yeah. Right. Okay. So tell me, you know, now that rates are at four, like, has that changed your anything that you're doing um yeah i mean i've always kind of had money set aside but now it just is able to earn right that emergency fund money can now earn um it's exciting that we can get you know four percent on that money um you know and it's money that i had in a brokerage account that i consciously did not invest in the market you know and that somebody being you know who has an aggressive mindset right when the market's down you want to buy right so part of me as much pain as we felt last year wants to take some of that money and put it to work, put it to work. But I know that it really needs to stay as emergency fund money. And, you know, if we need some of those expenses, we need to be able to access it quickly and easily. So what I'm hearing is that you've always used the brokerage account at Ameritrade at, to have a cash component. And you always knew how much cash there was there. And that was the emergency fund. Yeah, I kind of just carve out a portion of that, okay. that brokerage account as emergency fund. So when stocks go down 27%, you'd never feel tempted to, to spend that on stocks? <laughs> I was a, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, but, uh, I, you know. I, Mr. Discipline. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
you know, I try to I try to be aggressive in other ways, right? And look to maybe liquidate a more conservative investment and pile into a more aggressive investment. But I've tried to leave that emergency fund as emergency fund money. Okay. And so now, rather than just having that in the generic Ameritrade cash, now it's in the premium money market. Yep. Now okay. I just got to make sure it's invested. You know, it's one thing to leave your money safe, but we got to earn on it, especially when there's an opportunity to earn like there is now. It's pretty exciting to, to be able to earn, you know, currently in that 4% range. Yep. Okay. So uh, we know that, you know, the S&P was down like 19% last year. Bonds were down double digits. You don't strike me as a bond guy mm-hmm. if you're aggressive, but has last year, you know, changed your mindset with risk? You know, it's actually caused me to not dislike bonds as much, right? We always used bonds before as stability and you kind of had to have it there, but it never really earned anything. So I tend to shy away from them because I was an aggressive investor and you know, the ups and downs of the market, I, I feel like I've seen them. I saw them in the tech bubble burst in 2000. I saw it in 2008, you know, in my mindset, even at those, that time was to always continue to add. Um, so now that bonds are actually paying, you know, and look somewhat attractive because they've pulled back so far, um, you know, I don't, it, you know, for me, like an 80-20 or something like that is not, uh, it's not off the table, you know, I don't okay. mind uh, looking at looking at some of those investments. Okay. Um, so risk, we talked about a little bit about, about insurance. Um, any changes there with what you've got going on? Um, insurance wise, no, still, you know, still have a good amount of life insurance to take, take care of the family if something happened to me, uh, disability insurance we mentioned, um, I, I think it's important. So we, I pay for disability insurance. Disability doesn't tend to be cheap insurance, but when you are, you know, the sole breadwinner or, you know, the great that majority is a change. of that it, is a change know, this year, right? That, I guess, yeah, that <laughs> is a change. My, Emily, uh, my wife did not uh, go back teaching full time this year, so, um, because of that, you know, it makes, you know, that disability, having that disability coverage even more important, making sure that we have it in place and, you know, if needed. Mm-hmm. Um, something else, you know, insurance-wise that changed uh, because she's not working, we were always using her health insurance, but now that she mm-hmm. is not working, we don't have that. So, you know, I was able to switch to the, the PEAK plan, which is a high deductible health plan, which now gives me the ability to contribute to an HSA. So, we've, Okay, so with free cash flow, uh, we're contributing to HSA. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, yeah, love the HSA, love Roth. You know, we do the Roth 401k here at Peak. Um, I think that's a great idea. Um, you know, other than that, you know, some of my, I have, a, you know, some shorter term expenses I feel like coming up with. My kids are a little closer to college. I have a junior and um, freshman and then a sixth grader. Um, but just that, that college, now that it's coming closer, I feel like it's started to hit home a little bit more, and I've started to, uh, you know, be more inclined to pile up a little money for the unknown expense. I guess we'll say, um, you know, who knows what that's going to look like, um, where she'll end up, you know, what kind of situation she'll be in. So, um, I think just trying to look ahead a little bit and plan for the unknown on that, and and keep money liquid and accessible. So focusing on the the you know that brokerage account as opposed to. You know, 401s. Four, yeah, tying yeah. it up in yeah, 401s and things. Yeah. What about 529? What's your belief for that for your kids? Yeah, I funded 529s. I started really early on. Um, that was, you know, my thing. I started when they were young. I opened them. I started putting money in. Um, and I feel like I'm 
I'm probably at least 50% funded on my 529s right now, mm -hmm. which is kind of where I was okay with. Um, my kids are in private school. I've been paying private school tuition all these years. So in my mind, you know, a combination of the private school tuition I've already been paying for them with that 529 to complement should be a good, uh, a good mix to, to get me all the way there, but also give me the flexibility to to see what happens, right? And some of my kids like sports. Some of them have an opportunity to maybe play in college and maybe some scholarship turn money. into scholarships. Yeah, I mean it's all kind of unknown at this point. But now let me say, when when clients say they're banking on a scholarship, oftentimes I roll my <laughs> eyes. But I think in this case, we've got some talent. <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's lots of opportunities out there. You know, now that I'm kind of getting into that world and and seeing that there's, I mean, there's a lot of schools out there and there's a lot of you know. Schools you never heard of. <laughs> Opportunities. I mean, every time I look, there's schools I've never heard of. So, yeah. um, you know, my oldest at this point is the closest to college, and she has, you know, desire to, to play sports in college. Um, so we'll see where that goes, you know. And if she if she does, you know, uh, is fortunate enough to get a scholarship, then we have the flexibility of that 529 could kind of trickle down if the other kids don't get involved. Now we're, we're more than, you know, half funded on the younger ones because we can use that other money. So do you, do you think if you're half funded for college that, that you would try to cash flow through to help pay for the rest or teach the kid a lesson by having them have some skin in the game with a loan? Yeah, you know, that's something I've thought a lot about recently. Um, I don't know if I would want them to take on the loan. You know, I, you know we see so many people that come out and are, are kind of buried in a student loan. But I have thought about how to how to have that conversation with them. Like, listen, we got half of it covered. What's your plan to take on the other half? Right? That's a great question. Whether it's I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go work hard as an athlete and try to get a scholarship, or I'm gonna get a job. You know, I had a, another parent, you know, a volleyball parent. We were just chatting, and you know, for them, college is a real expense. So they they look you know to have the conversation with their daughter to say, well, you can either get a job and work through college, or your job. Can be playing volleyball at school right it seems like a more fun job sometimes it's hard <laughs> yeah. but you know if that's your means to pay for it uh, even though it's hard you know maybe that's you kind of want to suck it up and do that instead of working at taco bell or something you know what i mean yeah it also you know some really smart people said that you should treat college like a business decision yeah i think yeah. i think i heard of that before <laughs> sounds familiar so maybe you have a conversation with the kid about you know whether they want to go to uh, a $25,000 in-state school versus a $75,000 right. Notre Dame, you know what I mean? And yeah. say, well, how are you going to pay for that? Right. right. <laughs> yeah, and that was my exact thinking is in, in approaching them with that because now maybe they're inclined to make a, a different decision than they would otherwise, right? Yeah. Because, hey, if i got to pay for half and half is, you know, 30000 <laughs> instead of fifteen. It's a big yeah, difference. Absolutely. You know? So yeah. I do want to try to use it as an opportunity to kind of educate them through that. Cool. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Now, what about uh, uh, real estate, home, um, debt, anything to mention there? Yeah, you know, we've we've kicked around moving for a long time. Um, just have never seemed to find the right situation, right time to make that happen. Uh, our house is paid off. We paid it off years ago. Um, so something different we did this year is I did take out a home equity line on the house. We took out as much as we could. 
Um, so that they'll give you like 80% or something? Yeah, yeah, they give you 80% of the value. Um, so we have a, a nice big home equity line of credit available to us now. And the thinking on that was, well, if we find a house we wanna move into, now we can use that that home equity line as the down payment money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, sell the house instead of worrying about getting, you know, financing from dollar one. You know, we, we have we can kind of go in with a pretty good in a good situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be if we moved, you know, residences. But my other thought was taking out that home equity line is, is starting to look at, you know, what's next. Right. And looking for the next investment. And, you know, we talk a lot about real estate and we talk a lot about uh, income producing properties. And I think that's something that is on my radar as well. You know, looking looking for that right fit investment that that would um, you know, we could use that home equity line for to purchase and then, you know, turn around and have that cash flow help pay off that debt. And, you know, we said the story many times, but, you know, have the have the renter pay the house off for you. And uh, it's a great story. And it's something that I'm uh, actively looking to, to do. Sounds like you're following the peak income 360 formula. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that is uh, that brochure was on my desk and I. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the good move. So, right. So, you know, we have social security, but, but we don't have pensions, right? right? So we need to have, you know, something to replace that pension. I think income producing property is a great way to do it. Yeah. Not for everyone, but I think most people could benefit from something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And I think, and that's, that was the reason behind having taken out that home equity line and getting that open and ready and available for when they see that opportunity, um, is an opportunity to, to kind of pounce on it and, to take that next step. Okay, well, I think we covered, you know, the basics, uh, cash flow, debt, insurance, um, investment um, plan going forward, uh, investment risk, new new ideas on the horizon. Anything else that you'd like to share? I mean, our our fans crave this info. <laughs> so, yes, anything you can give them. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, you know, like I said, I mean, I kind of alluded to this when, when I was talking about college, but I just think it's so important to kind of educate your kids at a young age and to help them kind of learn how to manage money. You know, my daughter took an economics class at school this year and it just, it was able to, it produced a couple of really interesting conversations, you know, Okay, cool. is a way to, to talk about it. So I think that's something I'm looking to be intentional with is just continuing to have those conversations with the kids and help them understand the real world and what that looks like. And you know, how, how, how you get by and get along and, you know, not just survive, but prosper, you know, and I think so much of that is done by starting early. So have you, have you done anything with the kids with like an UGMA or anything where they're actually looking at accounts, statements Mm -hmm. and potential investments? Yeah, actually we, we have, so, and we started off with, you know, your regular old bank account for the kids. They had their, you know, put their $50 in the bank kind of deal. Um, but as it grew enough and, uh, you know, we were able to start talking about getting an account. So we did open each kid has, a, you know, an UTMA account, which they're the account owner. Uh, I'm the custodian of it. Right. So mm-hmm. and we set it up here at TD Ameritrade. So they, you know, babysitting money or birthday money, whatever it is. Right. When they have uh, a little extra, we talk about pulling that in and investing it. And, you know, we. To try to make it fun for them, I did try to have them do some individual stocks just because I want them to recognize, like, I'm investing in Apple or I'm investing in, you know, Nike. Not a recommendation. <laughs> Not a recommendation, but just companies that they are familiar with, right? And, but I showed yeah. them how, you know, the cornerstone of our portfolio, like 80% of what we have is in this well-diversified 
account, right? It's, it owns a little bit of everything, but then we can take a few little outlier positions, you know, to make it fun. So I think that's good. But every time they make money, you know, we talk about giving, saving and, and spending that's money, great. right? So yeah. they, they get this money and it, it kind of divides up. We, we, you know, we have some that we give to church or a charity, right? We I save love that. some, right? I, I need to do that with my kids. Yeah. So I it's kind of the jar approach, right? Three different jars. They put a little money in each one. They don't physically use the jars as, <laughs> like they used to when they were younger, but uh, it's a way. I just wanted an early age to get them to start thinking about doing those three things. You know, at, at our old school, they would have like fundraiser things and the kids, I, I don't exactly know how it worked, but my kid would come home from school and be like, can we donate to this cause, right? Mm -hmm. And he's happy to take our money to put in, to bring into school, mm -hmm. right? But if I turn it around on him and say, well, hey, how much do you want to give? Yeah. I'd like to know what the answer is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So another one too, uh, my girls are a little older and they babysit some. They make some money here and there. Uh, my son. We're looking for a babysitter. Well, there you go. Yeah. They're good. They can drive too. If you need a babysitter, <laughs> just call Jim. Right. Uh, my son is only 12. Doesn't work as much. Um, when he wants a new video game or something, he says, can I get it? Can I get it? And I talked to him. I said, well, how are you going to pay for it? Right. Mm -hmm. And I try to give him opportunities and I, I'm, you know, I try to even be generous. I'm going to pay, I'll pay you $15 an hour to do some chores, you know, go in the yard and rake the leaves, go in the, you know, do something, clean the bathroom, whatever it is, we'll pay you, you know, and it's, he fights it at first, right? But yeah. gradually he starts, starts to click and he gets it like, all right, I just need to suck it up and go work for two hours and I can get the game I want. You know, and I think that's what I've tried to be intentional about with the kids is trying uh -huh. to help them, you know, kind of learn. some Understand the value of money, understand right. how we can earn and invest and compound and all that. Yeah. I like it. Exactly. I like it a lot. I'm going to, I learned a lot as well about <laughs> being intentional with the kids because sometimes I'm, I have the best intentions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> like I mean, any parent. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's really hard to, to do those things, but it's just. You know, and obviously you don't get it right every time, but um, when you can or try to make a lesson out of it is what I try to focus on doing. Cool. Well, Jim, thank you for sharing the 2023 pilot financial plan. Uh, if you need a babysitter, <laughs> visit us at peakwm.com and fill out the online application. There you go. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.